the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, that's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. You see those sirens in your feed. Emergency podcast time. We have all uh, been just yanked out of our beds about 7 a.m. this morning. Or maybe if you were real plugged in, you were on this about 11, 12 o'clock last night. But my, oh my, the speed with which Danny White has moved through this search and you know, maybe it's because he, uh, he had this phone number, you know, maybe it was starred, right? Maybe this was uh, at the top of his favorites. Maybe it was in his, in his recent calls because, uh, Danny White, the new athletic director at Tennessee has announced the next head coach for the Tennessee volunteers. It is Josh Heupel, his former head coach from UCF. Uh, a lot of a lot of ways to to break this down, uh, but I know you've been reaching out to. I know you've got a relationship with uh, Josh Heupel. You've been reaching out to some of your UCF sources as well. Uh, I guess you know, Danny. You always love to to have the reaction to the to the ball Twitter and sort of the, the fan base in general. As you're taking the pulse of uh, of all the Vols for Life's out there. Uh, how, do you think that they are having a positive reaction uh, after hearing a James Franklin, a PJ Fleck, a lot of Power Five sitting head coaches potentially in the mix? Do, 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 are you sensing a positive reaction from uh, Tennessee fans out there? No, absolutely not. And it should be the least surprising thing out there. Um, we just, I, you know, you guys know I have my radio show. We take callers. And there was one caller that was like, I'm trying to keep an open mind about it, but I keep having, and this is, this is a Tennessee fan and just perfectly encapsulate them, but I'm tired of the, I already am getting UCF fans who are making fun of us because we want to get rid of them anyway. And I'm like, why do you care? Like, of course they're not going to, they're not going to say, man, this hurts. Like, yes, they're going to want Josh Heupel out of there. Of course they're going to say that now, but I get it. I, it's just, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. I, there, it's not going to be received like just yay. But I think it's, I, I, I don't know. All these coaches hires, you know, I would say Sark, I was probably the most excited about. But even that one, like I'm not willing to just say, I, I would say Danny White is probably the biggest hire that I've been, you know, pumped up about and could get behind out of any coaching hire move that's been made in this offseason. Um, so I'm kind of like, I think it's a good hire. I think he'll bring an offense there that could be fun. And I think the game is shifting. I think that fits that mindset. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. Like, let's wait and see what happens. But if I was a Tennessee fan, I would try to get them to support their new hire. In the last show, we talked about what Danny White would want to do 
And that would be to find somebody who could keep fan and booster interest through the, the coming years, which will probably be pretty tough, uh, to, to lead them both you know, through and after these tough times. And if you found that right guy, you convince him to come by giving him a contract like the Baylor contract for Matt Rule or the Michigan State contract for Mel Tucker. You know, seven years guaranteed, plus you know, escalators that basically if you get hit with sanctions, your contract is guaranteed, you know, plus the number of years of those sanctions. But we said that if, if you think you can find the right guy. And I don't think they did, right, personally, to, to find that guy to give a mega contract to. Now, I've not seen the Josh Heupel contract here, uh, but I'm going to be very interested in what the buyout is for Heupel at Tennessee. Denny White is known as somebody who puts big-time buyouts on all of his coaches and had one himself, right? He, he backs it up with – and puts his money where his mouth is. But to me, Josh Heupel – at the minimum, I'm okay with the hire for this reason. You can do what Arkansas did this year, which is basically run the Art Browse offense. You won't have a great defense, probably because the talent they're going to have and, and the attrition that they're going to suffer. Fans like offense. They'll stay interested in the program at least in, in, until the new coach smell wears off. Hopefully by that time, you can figure out where you are with the sanctions and scholarship losses if those do come. And that's why I'm interested in the buyout. Are they going to put such a huge Denny White signature style buyout on him that makes it tough for them to move on in three or four years? Or do you think this is just more of a Band-Aid hire? Because I, I, I kind of wonder, like this could be both successful and a potential Band-Aid you could rip off with minimal you know, buyout type damage. Yeah, I, I think it's it's one of those situations where I think there are reasons to be optimistic about the hire. And I think there are reasons to be pessimistic about the hire. If you're a Tennessee fan. And I think they're all pretty reasonable stances to take, depending on how you want to look, because if you want to be optimistic, you point to the fact that Danny white has done an excellent job of hiring coaches at every place he's been. And there's the familiarity with Heupel from hiring him at UCF. But you could also point out that, you know, at UCF, they went undefeated under Scott Frost. And then after a one loss season in Heupel's first year, they've regressed every season since. But I don't know if that's Heupel or if that's just a natural regression in that UCF isn't Alabama. You can't expect it to go undefeated and only have one loss every single season. I think like Bud, you just mentioned, you know, your offense is going to be good. And I, I feel like I can't help but believe had Josh Heupel been the coach at Tennessee this year, Jared Guarantano would have had a much better season than he did under Jeremy Pruitt. Cause I just think that he's proven he could take quarterbacks who might not be four, four star, you know, five star elite kind of talent, maybe mid three star level players. And he's able to get production out of him in his offense. So I think at the very least you're looking at that. I think that you do need to find a good defensive coordinator. And I always, when it comes to like group of five teams, maybe UCF is different because it recruited at a different level than the rest of the AAC. Like until this year, it pretty much had been like the number one or number two class in the conference the last few years. But I always feel like it's much more difficult to field an excellent defense at the group of five levels simply because most of the better players, like when you get the quote unquote athletes that don't really have a set position, maybe they're a wide receiver, maybe they're a corner in the group of five, you typically put them on the offensive side of the ball. Cause you're going to have to score points. So I, I don't know if I want to really hold that against him at UCF, but you do see a lot with the style of offenses that they run. The defense, <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that the defense is kind of, you know, suffer for the offensive part in that kind of offense. So I, I think you're going to have to make a solid defensive hire to keep that side of the ball going. But I, it's one of those situations where I'm not knocked out by it, but I think it's a solid hire. And I think that maybe Danny White went and swung for the fences with James Franklin. And 
obviously that didn't happen. And I think it's unfortunate if he did that, if that happened, the news kind of leaked out in some areas because that does get Tennessee fans sitting there thinking, Ooh, we're going to get James Franklin. And I think Josh Heupel is a perfectly good hire. So Danny, or excuse me, Tom, uh, one thing we do know is that defensive recruiting rankings correlate much more strongly with defensive performance than offenses do, right? You can coach your way, especially in college football around average offensive talent if you are a creative schemer if you're willing to take advantage of, of the rules and, and and the hash marks and whatnot defensively it's height weight speed and hustle man mm-hmm. for the and like you either got dudes who, who, who can run or, or or you can't it's harder to trick people on defense so you're exactly right about that the um i look at this as a high floor hire is that is that fair like i, I don't think that yeah. there's uh a I don't think that there's going to be a bottoming out. I think Josh Heupel has been good enough, but I also think that there's a, a limited ceiling. I don't think that Josh Heupel immediately is going to be the coach that I feel confident is number one, going to be able to pitch any of those players that are going to leave. They're like, Hey, Hey, don't, I know you're in the transfer portal, but stick around because you no, know, we can be a quick fix. It's not going to be a home run. Uh, that's going to be able to woo, uh, Henry Toto back to be able to, to come play. He's like, no, I, I only have one year of eligibility. Then I'm off to the NFL. Uh, not one year of eligibility. One year, then I'm NFL draft eligible. I'd like to go spend it at a team that's not going to be sorry. Like those players that are leaving because they don't want to be around for what's going to be a little bit of a rebuild. Like that, Josh Heupel is a, is a long-term. He's, he's a bring stability. He's a, he's a you know, be a little bit of a Band-Aid. Um, I, so I, I think he's high floor. I, I offer him respect based on what he's been able to do at UCF. But I, there's one thing that stands out, and it popped up when I was doing uh, my research for the the bowl game against BYU, which, by the way, not a great last game for Josh Heupel. Uh, BYU kind of won that game very handily, especially for the UCF defensive side. Now, there was a ton of opt-outs, ton of opt-outs for UCF all year. I'm willing to be able to, to grant that. UCF is 2-7 and seven in one-score games. Is that bad luck, or is that something that is reflecting poorly on a coach who, when he goes into a contest, is either able to overwhelm you with his offense, but if it does get a little bit back and forth, if the opponent is going to be able to limit you, then maybe isn't real great with game management crunch time situations. And uh, in those, you've got two of them to Cincinnati by a combined six points, two of them to Tulsa by a combined 11 points in those seven losses in one-score games. It was a weird stat that hung out there for me with Josh Heupel, and I don't I don't want to make this the crux of my entire argument on whether it is a good or bad hire. I think it's a fine hire. I think it's a high floor hire. But what what is what is Josh Heupel as as a game planner, as a game manager, as somebody who's going to be able to um, flip that narrative around at Tennessee? This is. I can't sit here and say I paid super close attention to this. So this is anecdotal more than anything, but watching UCF and seeing those losses, not all of them, but a few of them, I can't sit here and say that those one score losses, like the ones I saw against Cincinnati or the ones I saw against Tulsa, I can't sit here and be like, Oh, that was game management. I think it was just, they played close games and lost. It's such a small sample set. I, I really am just not willing to go there and say he's a bad coach in, in one-score games. I mean, you've seen coaches who have had wild swings in, in single-score games. I mean, there was, a, there was a stretch where, you know, Jimbo at Florida State, I, I, back when I was running, you know, Florida State site, they were amazing in one-score games for like two years. In the next two years, they were terrible in one-score games. And I was saying the whole time, 
this isn't sustainable. And then on the other end, this isn't sustainable either. I, I really think that you show skill by blowing people out. You show skill by hanging tough with teams that are much better than you. I really think close score games are kind of coin flippy. I mean, there are factors, coaching, kicker, quarterback, that probably have outsized effects in those close games. But for the most part, I don't think there's that much skill in winning them because nobody shows – like if you look at a coach's winning percentage and you look at a coach's winning percentage of close score games, there's really nobody out there who's that good at, at doing that above and beyond what they normally do with the exception of Pat Fitzgerald. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, and, and I feel like I, I feel like that's because Pat Fitzgerald designs his team to win by one score. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, like, there are some the games goal. that Northwestern should probably blow their opponent out that they purposely played down, which I think inflates their – yeah. Um, on my old podcast, podcast ain't played nobody, which is no longer around. We had this theory, you can't be bad and boring, right? And I think Tennessee might be bad for a couple of years, but I don't think it'll be boring. Mm. They're going to run, you know, kind of the Art Brile style offense here that, that, that Heupel runs, or you're, you know, you're putting the, the receivers out, you know, spitting on the sidelines de- or, you know, with. And I, I think that they will keep fan interest just from, from chucking the ball over the yard and, and, and being wild. Which, by the way, man, what a change for the SEC. Mm-hmm. Think about all the air raid tree coaches who are now in the SEC. Mike Leach. Uh, Kiffin's not totally air raid tree, but he certainly has some of that, you know, browse, uh, you know, influence on him there. Uh, Arkansas is, 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 you know, that, that tree now. Tennessee is now. I'm, uh, I'm sure I'm missing at least one or two. That, that's pretty wild. Well, and are you uh, are you counting like what we don't know what LSU whether they want to continue to ch- throw it around, but they certainly should have the wide receiver talent to be able to continue to do that if they want to do it. Um, I what what are you what are your UCF people telling you, bud? Uh, so my local like neighborhood group chat lit up. They were happy. Mm. Now I think they're kind of nuts personally. <laughs> like they're really happy to get the buyout, and they think that Hypel underachieved because of what Frost was able to do, I think. And I'm trying to tell him, like, guys, it ain't easy to keep to keep going, you know, zero, one, or two in the loss column. But I thought Ralph Russo of the AP uh, put it right, and he said, look, as long as UCF is still in Orlando, they're going to be fine. Um, they're going to get $6 million combined out of, out of the, these two buyouts, and UCF is now a job that, you know, two coaches in a row have proven that you can use it to springboard yourself to a major Power 5 job if you want to do so, I, I think they'll be fine. Um, I thought Godfrey had a good tweet too. I don't know if you guys follow Stephen Godfrey on Twitter. He said, what's the working relationship like when you've been hired twice at two different companies by the same boss who both times thought you were maybe the fourth most qualified candidate for the job? Because if you recall, Heibel was not the top oh, guy at UCF yeah. either. They wanted Kevin Sumlin and they wanted at least two other guys that leaked out. Well, I mean, um, it's like when they call Danny for HQ and he can't do it and then they call me. I mean, you know, it's just like, like well, but you I'm, keep showing I'm up. here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to try, try to do the best thing that I can do. Uh, Danny, what are some of your like the, the burning questions that are around this for you? So I think for me, the biggest question has nothing to do with Josh Heupel. It's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. It's what is the NCAA going to do? Like we're talking about expectations. What do we think Josh Heupel is going to do? A lot of that is going to be impacted with how hard the NCAA comes down, scholarship productions, like we're, we're hearing these rumors of bag men with McDonald's bags. And all. Is it, if it's, you know, if it's as serious as people make it out, like how much is that going to prohibit the program? That's, that probably is the bit, if I was a Tennessee fan, I'd be way more worried about that than Josh Heupel, like just instant reaction. 
Um, I am curious to see what the offense does uh, using this hyper fast pace that they go, you know, everybody goes no huddle, everybody goes tempo, but they've kind of really, really tried to take it to a whole nother level. I don't know if it works quite as well as it used to, but even saying that, I mean, they were, I think they were fifth in total offense his first year, second and third in the last couple of years. So they have been an offensive juggernaut, but he's had really good quarterback play. I mean, Dylan Gabriel has been phenomenal. Mackenzie Milton, who he inherited, was pretty good before that. Like, who the heck? Like, to me, we talk about the coaches all the time. You've got to get the ta- – it's a talent acquisition business. You've got to get the players in there. And Coke actually sent us something pretty interesting uh, about UCF's recruiting rankings just within the American Conference uh, under Josh Heupel. So they were second in 20 uh, – excuse me, first in 2017, second in 2018 – first in 2019, seventh in 2020, um, you know, fourth in 2021. So they're solid, but this is all in Tennessee this past year of Jeremy Pruitt. Of course, they're handing bags of cash. They better be doing pretty well, but they've got to be able to compete with Georgia and Florida and all the other teams in the, and not only the East, but in the West to even think about coming back. But I would say, this is going to take a while. And I totally agree with Bud. Like, I think it'll be entertaining. I think they'll put out a product on the field, but I think it's going to be a lot of people making fun of Tennessee with the dumpster fire meme, like, you know, the garbage can rolling down the, uh, the street in the rain and the storm early. And I just wonder how much the Tennessee fan base can endure before they're ready to jump ship again. Like, it's just, it's kind of the cycle that they're in. How about uh, two big SEC jobs? Obviously, the Auburn search went on for a long time. Both hire top-tier group of five coaches, and both of those group of five coaches, shout-out to David Cobb for, for pointing this out, both those group of five coaches inherited a situation that was really good. Now, granted, both those group of five coaches, I'm talking about Brian Harson and Josh Heupel, did end up winning more than 75% of their games. Brian Harson larger sample size than Josh Heupel, but it is... Like for all of the the craziness that I might expect from um, a coaching search, especially in the SEC, especially sort of in this era, like in in that kind of standard, you go and you find whoever is the the most successful coach, and it's like, all right, here we're gonna we're gonna let you level up, and maybe that is um, as y'all mentioned, maybe that's because you've got all these other sort of big fish that said no, or you've got, you know, financial reasons where you're not going to be able to match what James Franklin is, is making at Tennessee. I mean, at Penn state right now, um, or another head coach might have even higher demands given the situation that Tennessee is in, or, you know, maybe you're Billy Napier and you're like, no Auburn, I'm not going to put together the exact coaching staff. If you try to put this together in my coaching contract, but that's like a, it's a pretty standard issue college football story. Top group of five coach gets an opportunity in the SEC. We're not totally sure about the fit, especially with Brian Harson, but we're like, hey, you know what? Could be okay. We'll see. Another interesting aspect of that is like we've seen with UCF and, and Bud's, you know, local group chat, and you just kind of see on the message boards, Boise State fans were kind of okay with losing Harson too. It's like Two really successful, well, Harson, I think longer, obviously, but two successful coaches at group of five spots among fan bases who are kind of starting to take for granted that their teams win consistently and just think, ah, you can plug anybody in and we'll be fine. So let's move on. So in that sense, like good for uh, Harson and Heupel, right? 
Like you just even even if this does end up being uh, one contract jobs for both of them, you you got in the SEC. You know you'll you'll get your crack at it, and uh, and you'll be able to go and flex your chops instead of necessarily wearing out your welcome uh, at a place where you've got potentially unrealistic expectations. So. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Tom. I was just gonna say, here's one thing that it just dawned on me when you when you were last talking, but about how you know Scott Frost went to Nebraska, and now Josh Heupel's going to Tennessee. It's like, oh wait, Nebraska and Tennessee are the exact same program. <laughs> so UCF is just churning coaches out and sending them to former '90s powers looking to relive their glory days. So whoever UCF hires next is probably going to win the conference a couple times, spend three or four years there, and then end up at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Quickly on the uh, – because the, Danny brought up the point about pace, which, which I, I think is an interesting one. Uh, UCF was number two in the country in adjusted pace. Number three was Ole Miss. Mm. Number six was Arkansas. So, like, we're already seeing – now, I mean, granted, those weren't the – Ole Miss was pretty good. Arkansas's offense was just fast. They weren't actually good, yeah. but they did put up, you know, some points. I, I think this is something that is okay to do in this league now. I mean, you may not – win a title doing it if you have Tennessee, Ole Miss, or Arkansas-level talent. But uh, I I agree with Danny, too, that I think it's not going to take people by surprise quite as much because you already have other programs doing this. The uh, Randy Shannon interim head coach just uh, overseeing the the program with what I'm sure is going to be a skeleton staff. Uh, Josh Heupel going to be working quickly to try and assemble his staff at Tennessee. We'll have some more shifting pieces there. Uh, any, you know, we're, we're sitting here recording news broke within the last uh, hours or so. Uh, any idea about what UCF does here? I, I just think, I don't know if this is what they'll do, but there's a part of me that kind of wants them to hire Tony Elliott because then the UCF USF <laughs> rivalry becomes Tony Elliott versus Jeff Scott, I like which that. I think could be fun. Yeah. Do you think Tony Elliott would take UCF? No, no, I don't either. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's. Uh, I think he's probably holding out for a Power Five head coaching job, right? Yeah, I think he'll be an ACC or SEC coach at some point in the next couple of years here. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, maybe Jeff Levy, mm. right? Was at UCF, keeps that offensive continuity that that, that their fans love. That system, um, perhaps perhaps could could be worth a look. He is the OC at Ole Miss right now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well then, yeah, that would just be right there. It's just, just keep it in the family, keep all the skill position talent, try to have 600 yards per game, 50 points and uh, overwhelm your opponents. Here, here's a hypothetical could like, we saw Houston do it, but it was a different situation, obviously, but UCF has had such success as a group of five program and being one of the premier group of five schools in the country. Is UCF, depending again on who they hire as their AD, I feel like if Danny White were still there, it'd be much more likely. But are they capable of poaching a current Power 5 head coach? I would say only if that Power 5 head coach thinks he's going to be fired and, and, and is lo- looking for a soft landing. I mean, is that why do we keep doing this? I don't know if there's any Hokie fans that have been dialed in, but like that would be the Justin Fuente exit. He knows the league. He was yeah. at Memphis. He would be able to get out of there. We'll see. Uh, a lot to keep tabs on. Again, Tom Herman. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> he knows the league, too. Yeah, he That does. could be interesting. That could be what awesome. About, I was also thinking Gus Mel's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it? Man, Gus is so good on TV. They, they <laughs> trotted Gus out there for, like, every big Alabama playoff game. 
because he was always able to come in there and be uh, and just give you the full Alabama scouting report. He's good on television. Uh, I I figured he'd be counting buyout money and uh, whatever whatever uh, the uh, the TV people were going to give him. But uh, I, I, if he's trying to get back into it, there is uh, for a Tom Herman, for a Gus Malzahn, for a coach who is looking for a, a soft landing in a good situation. You're absolutely right, right there. There will be uh, <laughs> there will be uh, a lot to keep an eye on. He is Danny Cannell. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. A couple things coming up later this week. We will have your National Signing Day storylines, what to keep an eye on as we count down one week from today until the recruiting cycle finally wraps up. Also, we will have a mailbag coming later in the week. A reminder, the way that you can submit questions for the mailbag is you can first uh, go and give us a five-star rating and a review. In that review, put your mailbag question. We will pull them all together, select some of our favorite ones for the mailbag. Also, we will solicit questions on Twitter. You can follow us at Cover3Podcast and be able to look for when we ask for them you you reply uh we will also get them there gentlemen thank you very much thank you see you This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.